So we're going to talk about the Iowa caucus, but we're going to do that at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. So about 25 minutes from now, we're going to speak to Maxim Lott. Maxim is uh, the son of John Lott, famous John Lott of uh, More Guns, Less Crime. Maxim is also the creator of electionbettingodds.com. We're going to talk a little bit about the polls, whether they're reliable, what he thinks is the outcome, how are people betting their own hard-earned cash. Usually what happens with electionbettingodds.com is that the numbers there are really wonky until we actually get closer to the caucus, and then they get more and more and more accurate until we finally get to the vote, which is, man, just a few more days. So coming up next, coming up at 730, we'll talk about that. Uh, at eight o'clock this morning, we're going to have Camelia Peterson on the show. I know you like it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. We got a uh, country theme today. So Camelia is going to talk about this article that I read yesterday, which just cracked me up. And I thought, you know what? Camelia's per perfect person for this. She remembers life before the internet. Get ready to hear more about pre-internet times over at Axios.com. Expect 2024 this coming year to feature more talk about pre-internet life, a subject of intense curiosity to the growing cohort of people who never experienced it. I need to read this like a David Attenborough BBC Nature special. Expect 2024 to feature more talk about pre-internet life, a subject of intense curiosity. Oh God, why that pop up? To the growing cohort of people who never experienced it. Uh, that's a terrible David Attenborough. Ugh. Ugh, somebody call the cops. Uh, anyways, so it's fun. We'll talk about it with Camelia. She doesn't always have to have the serious stuff or the gross stuff or the weird stuff. There might be a way for us to make her blush a little bit today. We'll see. So apparently young people are curious about how we accomplish things like driving somewhere without getting lost. Uh, so how did we socialize? How did we like set up dates and things like that? Before the mid-1990s, uh, they're all curious about They're watching TV, vintage TV shows to see how people accomplish things before we had smartphones, which I think is kind of funny, and we're going to talk about it with Camelia. <laughs> I didn't say she's old. Camelia, you said she's old. You. Anyways, we'll talk about that with Camelia at 8 o'clock today. It's going to be a great show. At 8.30 a.m. today, the one, the only, Tony Lavasco. Yes. Not only are we going to have Tony Lavasco on the show, he's going to be on set. You guys excited about that? Uh, apparently, there is talk about possibly throwing Joe Biden off the ballot here in the state of Missouri, which. <laughs> you know what? Do it. I say can do it. Just can do it. All right. Why not? Why not? How about a little chaos in our life? You want to play a game? Let's play a little game. We'll talk about that this morning at 830 a.m. with State Representative Tony Lavasco, the possibility of us throwing uh, Joe Biden off the ballot. Let's make it. Fun. Okay. Now at the top of the show, I have to read you this story just because it's just the for the lulls. News has been a little slow lately, so I try and find like the little weird stuff from the corner of the internet to entertain you with in the mornings. Some Generation Z job seekers are bringing mom and dad to interviews, and it's turning off employers. New survey finds. You think? <laughs> a survey found some employers favor older workers to avoid. Hiring recent college graduates, I kid you not, uh, a survey of 800 managers, directors, and executives involved in hiring uh, produced these results. One in five of the employers said a college graduate showed up with a parent 
for a job interview. What the hell is going on? Uh, some employers said they'd be willing to offer older professionals more benefits and higher salaries to avoid hiring new college graduates, according to this new survey. Uh, 39% of the employers who responded said they prefer to hire older job seekers over recent college graduates, in part because young professionals don't make a good first impression in job interviews. Huh. More than half of the employers said young recruits struggled to make eye contact during the interview. Wow, that's bad. Uh, hopefully they're not all autistic. And 50% said they asked for unreasonable compensation. Yes, almost half of the employers said a young job candidate showed up in inappropriate attire. And nearly 20% said a recent college grad had brought a parent to a job interview. Okay, so there's a lot going on here, okay? You're bringing a parent to a job interview, okay? Listen, um, I know we all, like, it's hard for us to get out of the nest, right? It's, And I'm sure for a lot of parents, there is a struggle that you feel where you want to be protective of your children. You want to make sure that they're able to accomplish things. You want to make sure that they can get a job, right? But there's something wrong with the parents there if they think that it's appropriate for them to show up at an office, a place of business, with their child uh, for a job interview. Because here's what I'm picturing in this kind of scenario, right? And we don't have any actual firsthand anecdotes, anecdotal accounts of things like this happening. But go with me down, you know, the, the speculation train here of what this might uh, look like. So let's say that the interview doesn't go well. What is the parent exactly going to do there? I mean, maybe they're, you know, in a least worst case scenario, the parent is there and they're saying, oh, okay, you know, just getting them, you know, cheered up before the job interview or just giving them a little bit moral support. You can do it. I'm here for you no matter what. Right. But in a worst case scenario, which we all know America is always headed towards worst case scenarios with things like this, in a worst case scenario, is the parent walking into the interviewer's job like, are they trying to go in with them in the interview? That's pretty bad, but then it can get worse. What if the interview doesn't go well, for example, and then the, the child walks out Do they does, and the parent is upset? Do they go in there and read the riot act to the place of employment? It's just... Ugh. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, it, it's It's just the most freaking weird thing that i've seen since the jewish tunnel this morning and you guys are like what the hell is he talking about uh yeah i saw hot water over uh or onion dip this morning everybody's talking about this uh the jews in brooklyn that which are apparently have dug tunnels uh underneath a shabbat chabad i guess i can't pronounce it correctly underneath a chabad you, you guys want to see the video i do i do have the video okay It's it's just weird as hell. So apparently they're trying to reach a mitzvah, which is a, a place where women go to get clean. It's like an old mitzvah, which apparently got uh, walled up at some point. But they dug these tunnels underneath their Chabad that uh, were trying to get to this. Is it a mitzvah? I can't remember what the name of it is. Anyways, but apparently they dug tunnels and created very structurally unsound situations where it's very dangerous for people to to be around this structure because they dug these tunnels. It doesn't make any sense to me, you know what I mean? But here's the video, there it is. Yeah, so here the, the Hasidim, they are trying to get back inside of this tunnel that they have built, okay? And here they are, they're like appearing, they're coming out of the, the tunnel. The police are having to arrest them, and then they're like, 
Look at this. They're, they're trying to get back inside of the tunnel. What are you doing? Pepper spray. Okay, so look, they've they've thrown themselves back into the tunnel because the the police are there and they've got a construction company that's trying to fill it back in with concrete because it's structurally unsound. So they've actually put themselves back while it's getting filled back up with concrete. Wow. <laughs> Clementine says, is this a Mel Brooks film? <laughs> Thank you, Doug. We appreciate that. Yes. So the, uh, the people who listen to the audio version of this show later are going to be so confused as to what the hell is going on. You got Jews popping out of tunnels in Brooklyn. What else is going on? 2024, 2024 already starting off pretty weird, weird, weird. So, Gokas, this is at a Chabad in Brooklyn. So you can see they've like they've dug this hole apparently by hand in order to try and get access to an old mitzvah, which is a place where women go to get clean. I might have that word incorrect, but I'm doing my best. I'm not, I'm not Hebrew. I'm not one of God's chosen people. Yeah, in New York City, right? So they're, so they're having to arrest all these guys because they keep throwing themselves back into the hole. This is a tunnel that they've built under Brooklyn. And it's, it's creating a, a dangerous situation because it's structurally unsound. And so the city is having to move in and try and fill it back up. Yeah, I have no idea. Somebody just sent me the video this morning and, you know, I'm tired as hell. There it is. But if you're tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. Just now, we're nice to glad to have you here. We're nice to glad you're here. Okay. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Do me a favor if you haven't already. Click like and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the Wake Up America show. Uh, you can text the show today, 573 319 1586. Again, the text line is open at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in about the topic of Generation Z's parents showing up to work with them and said, uh, my parents keep egging me to get a government job with the post office for, quote, stability and great benefits. They won't be at the interview for me, but sort of feel a little pigeonholed. Well, I'll tell you this. Stability and, bene and great benefits, that's that's great if you have no ambitions or dreams beyond that, right? So those are the kind of jobs that you go for 
if you are not a risk taker, right? If you don't have any if you don't have an entrepreneurial bone in your body, then the post office is a great place to go and work, right? Go and deliver mail all day, stand around with a bunch of gray people, and then you know, uh, you know, in a dull gray bureaucracy, an environment where there's like no room for uh, innovation or you know, really like displaying any sort of like cunning or guile or creativity but you get a steady paycheck and you get great benefits, that's the place to go. If you've got an entrepreneurial bone in your body and you're willing to take risks because the only way that you'll ever accomplish anything great in this life is to take great risks, then you're going to have to look somewhere else. But, uh, you know, I, I understand feeling pigeonholed, but don't let your parents do that, man. That's your life. You know, you don't, I, listen, for me, the one, the greatest thing that can happen to me for is always to make my father proud and I will, and, and you know, I'd do anything to make my father proud. Almost, almost anything, I would say, to almost anything to make my father proud. So think about things like that. Another listener texted in and says, This is a funny, this is funny, but don't do a show on Camel Toe Harris. I will not do a show on Camel Toe Harris. There you go. Uh, another listener texted in this question says, Hey, AP, quick question about an item at your AP for Liberty Shop store the Lego Gadsden flag sweatshirt. Any larger kid sizes planned? Ah, good question. I had no idea that they were not in a larger kid sizes. We'll see if we can find some for you. I'll send that over to Stephanie. She made that. So we'll do, I'll do our best to try and get you one in larger. Tell me what larger kid sizes you're looking for. How, how large, yo? Uh, another listener texted in and says, run for Congress. I've been hearing that a lot lately. My Congressman Blaine Lukemeyer is stepping down. Uh, and the Republican primary is uh, going to happen here in mid-Missouri and uh, where I live to uh, replace him. So there's an interesting little opportunity there. Another listener texted in this morning saying, Austin, I sent you by email an immigration reform policy uh, document for you to look at. And hopefully you want to discuss on the show earlier talking about Javier Malay. That's Tony in New York. What's up, Tony? Over 208 people watching us live this morning. And how many likes do we have? Oh, we've got uh, five likes. That can't be right. How can we have 250? Oh, 29. 29 likes? Come on, guys. Hit that like button and subscribe. I can't no, look at that God. anymore. No, God, please, no. I need your love. Uh, and thank you to Rumble.com, by the way, for featuring us on the front page. We appreciate you. Need that, need that. Kim McCurry over on the live stream says, uh, she says, if you go for it, uh, being, that means like being an entrepreneur, she says, when you have littles and the other spouse should be the entrepreneur, need the insurance. Once our entrepreneur stuff replaces my pay, then I get to leave. That's a good way to think about it. Stephanie are, and I are both, uh, my wife and I are both entrepreneurs. We both run our own little businesses and I'll tell you, it's not fun, uh, paying that insurance bill every month. Uh, I think our insurance is coming up to around like $1,800 or something like that a month. It's pretty damn redonkulous. So anyways, uh, Helping Freedom joining us this morning says APforliberty.com. I know, I don't own it. Somebody else bought it and they were trying to extort $2,000 out of me to buy that uh, that URL, but I'm not doing it. APforlibertyshop.com is my website and you can check that out and see all of our awesome coffee and amazing um, Liberty products. Okay. We've got 10 minutes until Maxim Lott comes to join us here on the Wake Up America show this morning. Before I get to the topic of the Iowa Prime uh, Caucus, which we'll be talking about again with Maxim in 10 minutes, um, just a little bit of, uh, this is not financial advice because I'm required to say that, but I found this new ETF, Exchange Traded Fund, that's targeting Congress's investments 
based on political party, which I think is actually kind of interesting, this year, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not saying you have to do this, but it might not be the worst idea in the world to track Nancy Pelosi and Ted Cruz's investments this year. This is hilarious. So there's a capital advisors group called Subversive Capital Advisors, which is a great name, that rolled out two actively managed ETFs that base their investments on the financial disclosures of Democrat and Republican lawmakers, as well as their families. I kid you not. Get this. So the two funds have tickers designed to evoke the names of Democrat Nancy Pelosi and Republican Ted Cruz. It's called the Unusual Whales Subversive Democratic Trading Fund, ETF, and the stock ticker for this is N-A-N-C, Nancy, and the Unusual Whales Subversive Republican Trading ETF, K-R-U-Z, or Cruz. Both launched on global markets on Tuesday, this last Tuesday, with expense ratios of 0.75%, which is actually fairly competitive out there uh, in that environment. So something to keep an eye on. So sitting members of Congress have to disclose their investments in publicly traded companies due to a bill called the Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act, the Stock Act. That was passed in 2012, right? So the funds managers of these two um, ETFs, they go through these disclosures and then they buy and sell securities in accordance with the trading actions of these congressional representatives that are associated with the funds targeted parties. So the manager can opt out of mimicking very small trades that represent less than 1% of the total portfolio. So it's just the big trades that Nancy Pelosi and Ted Cruz and people like that are making. Um, Clementine says, that's interesting, going to have to look into that. How long before Congress tries to shut it down? Well, there is a move to try and ban members of Congress from making trades in individual stocks. What do you guys think about that? So as of February 10th, Nancy's that's the ETF, the Democrat ETF, their, their holdings are, they've got 7.6% of their holdings in um, Microsoft. They're uh, holding some Amazon, Alphabet Inc., that's Google, uh, while Cruz's top holdings include Magellan Midstream Partners, Microsoft, and Energy Transfer. So Nancy's portfolio includes about 780 different stocks, and Cruises holds around 525. So, and these aren't the actual, actually, these aren't the first politically oriented ETFs to emerge. Another one that I'm really interested in potentially investing in is this conservative fund, which I think might be a, a good idea to put a little bit of money in as well this year. At least, at least I will. The American Conservative Values ETF. I'm going to, I haven't seen what their expense ratios are. When it comes to ETFs or actively managed funds, you always want to take a look and see how much they cost, how much it costs to manage the funds, because a lot of times your profits can get eaten away in expenses. So you always want to try and, and make sure that you're getting, um, uh, if you're going to use a managed fund like these, and this is what I like to invest in a lot is the ETFs, um, is you want to try and have the, keep it with their expense ratio as small as possible. But the, ex, the American Conservative Values ETF, is an actively managed fund that, and they exclude companies that are seen as being in opposition to conservative values. 
while the index tracking Point Bridge America First ETF, and listen to this, their stock ticker is MAGA. That's right, MAGA. <laughs> so they invest in companies in the S&P 500 index that support the Republican Party via their corporate political action committees and political donations. So those are the Republican or the conservative or the MAGA or the Republican um, funds that are out there. And then there is actually a Democrat one. Yes. So similar to MAGA, the Democratic large cap core ETF stock ticker DEMS, D-E-M-Z, also tracks an index and invests in companies that make more than 75% of their political donations in support of democratic causes and candidates. So Subversive Capital, which is this company that does the uh, does these uh, political funds, they have a lineup of six ETFs, but none of them has gathered more than a million dollars in assets under management. But maybe it's a good idea for us to, to invest in that just because we are tired of having all of our money tied up in funds like BlackRock and Vanguard. Am I right? Am I right? You guys, everybody complains about BlackRock and Vanguard and everything. Well, maybe we should start investing in some actual conservative ETFs. What do you guys say? Let's hear it for the boys. Give the boys a hand. All right, let's hear from Maxim Lott. He's going to break down how the Iowa caucus is looking. It's the Battle of Ballots and Broncos. When we get back, for a, new wor a word from our new sponsor. Turns out you guys really like ivermectin. We'll talk about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and thankful to have you here. Thanks to rumble.com, especially for featuring us on the front page today. We appreciate that. It's fun to watch those numbers going. They're just climbing and climbing. So for many of you today, it'll be the very first time that you ever watch the Wake Up America show. I'm the host of the show and we stream live here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. It's a great way to start your day. So I'd love it if we could earn your subscribe to the channel today. Click that subscribe button, come back and join us five days a week, make some friends and fight for liberty. That's what we're all about. Economic freedom and personal liberty. That's me. They call me AP for Liberty, which you can find on any of your favorite social media platforms. But I think we like Rumble the best. All right. Well, it's the Battle of Ballots and Broncos, Iowa's Republican Rodeo. It's time for us to determine who will become the Republican presidential primary winner. Do you think Iowa will settle it all? I know a lot of people have their hopes pinned on that first caucus, but I think Nikki Haley is hoping for a win in New Hampshire. Can't something like that happen? You know what all the DeSantis people are saying these days? And they're mad at me because I'm not backing their guy. They're saying, well, you can't trust the polls. Okay, well, fine. Then we're going to talk about something that's not necessarily the polls. Let's talk to the man who created electionbettingodds.com. He and I worked together back in the day when he was a producer for John Stossel's show, and I was a producer for Judge Napolitano at the Fox Business Network. Max Lott joining us live right now. Good morning, Maxim. Hey, Austin. Great to be here with you. Glad to have you here, Maxim. We appreciate your expertise. So, Weigh in for us. What are people uh, taking their hard-earned money on and placing bets on around the world for the Iowa caucus next week? Yeah, so Trump is basically a shoe-in. He, he's got 90% for the Iowa caucus. DeSantis is roughly the other 10%, but I think you know that's very unlikely. I've personally never seen polling be that off by 
what it would have to be. It's right now. It's like Trump around 50 DeSantis around 18. I, I've never seen that kind of flip. Um, so we'll see. But it looks like Trump's going to run away with it in Iowa. Um, Haley actually has a better chance in New Hampshire. They give her a 20 percent chance of winning New Hampshire, which would at least create kind of a race, although it would still look like Trump is strongly favored just looking at the national map. So that's kind of what it looks like. Trump Trump is strongly favored. It's kind of over. We still got to do the voting, and that's great. And you never know, but that's what it looks like. <laughs> Listen, as the patron saint of lost causes when it comes to campaigns, <laughs> Maxim, I know what it's like when you're in the final stretch of that campaign and it doesn't look good, but you got to keep the troops rallied. Um, here's the thing. DeSantis supporters are saying things like, uh, and it's really, I, I don't see you know Haley supporters or Vivek supporters saying things like this. But DeSantis supporters are saying things like, you can't trust the polls. And I agree with them because remember in 2016, Hillary was supposed to win. It was like 90% odds the day before the election. Hillary Clinton was going to win. I mean, it's hard to trust the polls these days, Maxims. So you seem to you seem to think otherwise. I mean, like, how can we trust the methodology here? How would you respond to something like that if somebody says you can't trust the polls? Yeah, well... In 2016, for example, and, and also in other years where they've been off, you know, Clinton was leading by maybe five points, maybe 10 points in the craziest polls. But right now, Trump's up 32 plus points in Iowa. I've just ne I could happen, but I've never seen it happen. Um, the betters seem to be trusting the polls. Also, there's really no uh, it's not like DeSantis is holding million person rallies or you know, Twitter is unanimously for DeSantis. There's no countervailing reason to think he's going to win this. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm sympathetic to the idea there should be someone other than Trump personally, but it look it looks like it's it's the base is treating him as an incumbent candidate, and so no one is really holding a candle to him right now. Talk to us about New Hampshire and what's going on out there with Nikki Haley, because a lot of people think that she might have a chance to eke something out. Apparently, she's like four points behind him only in New Hampshire. Talk to us about that one. Yeah. So New Hampshire is she's still behind. Like, I guess there's this one poll, but on the average of polls, she's still down double digits. Um, what her Her big chance in New Hampshire would be if. DeSantis drops out after Iowa and maybe Christie drops out too. Then she could start running even to Trump. Um, and so the betters give her 20%, which is definitely not nothing, 20% chance of winning it. Um, and then she could win South Carolina too, because that's her home state. She's down in the polls there now, but you could start seeing things change if she wins New Hampshire. Um, the thing is, it still looks pretty... Uh, bleak for her in the long haul because the national polls like Trump's often at 60 percent. That's not a something you want to go up against. Were you as surprised as I was, Maxim, to see the the Coke outfit endorsing Nikki Haley? That was I found that quite distasteful. Yeah, I, I was surprised, actually, partly because. I would it, she just seems like a lost cause, like if you know any Republican voters, it just I can't see it. Um, so first of all, just kind of throwing money away. And then second of all, of course, as you know, she's a neocon, as we'd say, she's she's very pro-war. She's kind of establishmenty on a lot of opinions. Yeah, it's weird because you would think if you're going to throw money away, I mean, Ron DeSantis may not be a libertarian like we are, right? We're nerds. 
but he yeah. seems to be a bit closer to what we are than Nikki Haley is. It, it's just, it strikes me as a bit of Trump derangement syndrome. Do you think yeah. that, is that, am I off with that thinking or? No, yeah, I'm sympathetic to what you're saying. Yeah. And <laughs> I wonder if it comes from being in kind of a DC area mindset for too long. Mm. Um, where they love Nikki Haley. If you talk to Republicans around the country, they're more, you know, if they're not Trump, it's more like, well, DeSantis did a great job in Florida with COVID and dismantling leftist university administrations, all this. Maxim, I said a lot of bad things about Donald Trump when I ran for president in 2016. I called him every name in the book and I was like, oh, he's gonna be a totalitarian, blah, 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 blah. You know what? I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong, Maxim. I was wrong about a lot of things that I said about him. He he is not the worst thing that happened to the United States. That economy was booming. Uh, there were a lot of things that I didn't agree with that he did, especially during COVID-19 and Operation Warp Speed and the pandemic and the way that he kind of, you know, uh, forced the, 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 the car companies to make ventilators and a lot of other authoritarian crap that I didn't agree with. But Donald Trump was not the worst thing that ever happened to the United States. How do you feel about the possibility of Donald Trump returning to the White House? I mean, do you look at it with trepidation? Do you look at it with a little bit of fear, a little mix of both? Are you, you excited? What do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, first of all, yeah, I had a somewhat similar journey to you in 2016, where at first I was like, you know, this, this guy's crazy. But then if you actually look at the policies, they were often pretty good. And, you know, the Supreme Court, just putting aside the abortion thing, just having sane justices who aren't going to look at the Constitution and invent whole things just out of nothing, which is what the leftist ones do all the time. Just having that, it makes me feel a lot safer in terms of the rule of law in the country and all that. So I, I think he, he did a lot of good things. Um, as far as 2020, I mean, there's some basic things, I think, like having border enforcement, you know, as soon as Biden came in, he got rid of Trump's deal with Mexico, where people were waiting in Mexico while asylum was processed. So immediately you had millions and millions of people coming over and they're still doing it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think immigration can be great as a libertarian, but it shouldn't be this 10 million people just cross the border. Um, and from and and people around the world have gotten that message. So people from Africa, Asia, everywhere. Just so it's not really a sane policy, and Biden just seems fine with it. So it's so, just, it's so crazy to hear you say that, Maxim, because I feel the exact same way. I mean, we come from the party and the and the movement of people who are very pro-immigration, but it seems as if what's happening right now is is not a proper immigration process. It seems like chaos. And, and it's, it's disorderly and there's violence that's happening on the southern border. And a lot of it, it's not like families coming across. There are Chinese citizens who are coming across. There may be actual spies who are coming across our southern border. I mean, there's got to be some kind of restrictions to ensure for safety and health and, and some kind of protocol, right? Yeah, I, I would think you'd want that. Um, and then there are other things, just like picking judges that, that I think he'd be clearly a lot better than Biden on from a libertarian perspective. Right. Um, I, yes. I do. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I'm, I'm also not his biggest fan because you look at like just the tone of his uh, things he's putting out on so Truth Social. You know, he's like he's a little bit. <laughs> unhinged um <laughs> I'll, take it. I'll take the i'll take the mean tweets 
and the right, crazy right. And, and the crazy posts and dollar sixty nine gas. Right, right, and it is true that you know people were worried, or I think Ted Cruz said, you never know, he might nuke Denmark. But uh, in practice, his foreign policy was more restrained than anyone else's. So as long as he keeps that up, I, I think that's yeah. That's Corey good. and Corey and Callie is jo who's joining us over in the Rumble uh, chat. Uh, says, I'm not pro-immigration at all, probably because I'm in San Diego and actually deal with it. Yeah, I actually, the last time I was in San Diego, a friend of mine took me on a tour uh, of the border and showed me um, just how run down and how terrifying the neighborhoods are near the border and how they, it's just almost total lawlessness uh, and the fear and the danger that Americans feel in American cities uh, because of the amount of crime uh, that's going on the trafficking that's going on the drug cartels that are that are crossing i mean american citizens have a right to have security and to, to be safe in the cities that they live in within our borders so there absolutely need to be some protocols and a change in policy i don't know if a wall is going to fix something like that maybe it would but i do know that there does need to be proper enforcement at least of the laws of this country on our on our border i'm, I'm curious to hear what our listeners think though you can text the show at our text line, 573-319-1586. Again, the text line is 573-319-1586 is the text line. I'm speaking to Maxim Lott. He is the founder of the website electionbettingodds.com. And that is a website where people actually, it tracks people who are betting their own money on uh, uh, elections here in the United States to try and predict the outcomes. So electionbettingodds.com shows what's happening in the Iowa caucus, right? And it's showing New, and New Hampshire. Is there anything like beyond that, South Carolina? I mean, is it just pretty much a Trump lock? Do you expect people to start dropping out pretty quick after Iowa and New Hampshire? Or is this going to drag on? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it looks like it'll be a quick lock by Trump. Um, I think the only way it's not really realistically is if Haley wins in New Hampshire and then you get this longer thing. But even there, I, th I think it'll be pretty quick. You sent me an article about how some of the primaries had changed their formulas to be more winner take all. And um, that'll also help them lock things down, I think. Um, there is other interesting stuff on the betting site. For example, like you can see if someone's nominated, how likely are they to win the general election? And from that, you can see also who's more likely to win, Trump or Biden. And right now, the betters do give Trump a slight edge over Biden in the general election. It's, it's something like, you know, 55, 45 percent chance. So that's interesting. It, it was not that way for a long time, but it seems like and looking at the polling too, Trump is leading. So that's that's really interesting. That being said, in the very outside chance that either party were to switch candidates, the betters think they would be even more likely to win. Maxim, where do the never Trumpers go when the primary or the uh, the Republican primary is over? Do you think that they go to the Democratic Party? Yeah, it's a really good question. <laughs> um, I would I, I it would be interesting, by the way, to see Joe Manchin running. Um, he has kept that open and. I, I, there's something fun to me about a you know five way race with RFK Mansion uh, all these uh, who is Cornell West um, and then the two main people but um, uh, you know maybe he could draw some of them but I, I would guess most of the never Trumpers do go to Biden but um, they're not a huge share of the electorate so maybe they get balanced out by 
you know, Hispanic voters who are fed up with what they see around the border. Is RFK Jr. a factor in this race at all? Does he tip the balance one way or another? You know, it's unclear. The polling I've seen so far seems to he's drawing kind of equally from the two candidates. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, it seems to me he's mostly made the rounds on conservative media so far, uh, which I mean, his views are kind of leftist, but also anti-establishment, not trusting, you know, Fauci or uh, any any of the vaccine stuff. So, yeah, he's this interesting mix. He's pulling from both of them for now. For sure. Maxim, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? Uh, that's about it. I track some of this stuff on my Substack, Maximum Truth. Also, things about AI bias. I, I've been reporting on that lately. They are biased. They lean left. <laughs> um, also, my Twitter is Maxim Lot. Um, so, yeah, you can follow for more election uh, info there. Real quick addendum. Have you had a chance to review Grok? Yeah, Grok is leftist as well. It's really just well, yeah, just Damn as leftist it. as everything else. Yeah, so you can go to trackingai.org and see them on the map. They're they're totally leftist. I hope Elon will fix that. He is aware of the issue. <laughs> okay, good. Because I have to say, like, I use about six or seven AI platforms a day, mm -hmm. and I would say somewhere between twenty five and fifty percent of all of the prompts that I try and run get rejected for being too controversial when it's, re it's really just like mainstream libertarian stuff i'm trying to do anyway maxim lot follow him on x.com at maxim lot and read his Substack. we'll be dropping that in the chat as well thank you maxim for your time today we appreciate you very much come back and update us again when the when the iowa primary is over okay absolutely that's great talking with you good to talk to Bye. you maxim let's give him a round of applause boy that was great stuff these are good interviews. You don't get them in a lot of places in your morning talk shows, do you? Why don't you do us a favor and click that like button and subscribe to the channel and come back and join us here on the Wake Up America show because we stream it live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the Wake Up America show. It's a great way to start your day. Um, speaking of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he weighed in on uh, Fox News about the attempts by Democrats to try and throw Donald Trump off of the ballot. Um, let's take a listen to what... What do you say. think about those efforts to take the former president off the ballot based on an insurrection charge that he has not been charged with? I think it's wrongheaded. I think it's counterproductive. I, I'm not a fan of President Trump's. So that's why I'm running against him. And I'm confident that I'm going to beat him. But I don't want to beat him on a, a slanted playing field. I think the American people want to see a fair fight. They want debates. They want real democracy. And... As you point out, I've read the decision and it makes no sense to me that you can deprive an American citizen of this right to run for president without ever charging him with, much less convicting him of insurrection. That seems to violate due process and it makes us look like a banana republic. And by the way, I think it, it turns Trump into a kind of mythological figure. I think it's very, very short-sighted and it's just wrong. It's on a Mm, I gotta say, that's um, refreshing to hear from a, well, he's, I guess he's not a Democrat anymore. I guess he left the Democratic Party. Donald Trump weighing in on the same topic. Because Let's of hear. Joe Biden, I spend a lot of time in courts, federal, state, city. And tomorrow I'll be attending another Biden-inspired federal appeals court argument 
on presidential immunity in Washington, D.C. Of course, I was entitled as President of the United States and Commander-in-Chief to immunity. I'm entitled to immunity. Every president has immunity, especially one that did the job I did. I did a great job. And I wasn't working for myself. I was working for the country. I wasn't campaigning. The election was long over. Wasn't campaigning. I was looking for voter fraud, something that I have to do under my mandate. I have to look for voter fraud. And I was finding it. Tremendous amounts of voter fraud in the 2020 election. We have volumes of information. It's all there. And I was doing my job, which I had to do. And it's my obligation to do. And otherwise, running our country and running it well. We didn't have Russia going into Ukraine. We didn't have Israel under attack. We didn't have China talking every day about going into Taiwan. We didn't have inflation. We had a great economy. If I don't get immunity, then crooked Joe Biden doesn't get immunity. And all of the things he's done to allow the border invasion, millions and millions of people coming into our country, many from prisons, jails, mental institutions, insane asylums, many terrorists coming into our country. That's really allowing insurrection and come into. Speaking of, we are going to have a discussion this morning at 8.30 a.m. with Tony Lavasco. Representative Tony Lavasco will be on set with us of Missouri. And he's going to talk to us this morning about the possibility of the Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft potentially throwing Joe Biden off the ballot here in the state of Missouri. Well, the war games have continued. The Game of Thrones is being played. Interestingly here, Fannie Willis, she's that woman in Georgia who appointed a special prosecutor in a case in the case against Donald Trump in Georgia. Apparently, there's something interesting about the person that she decided to nominate to take on the case against Donald Trump. Take a listen to this of Jesse Kelly of Fox News. Sex scandal is rocking President Trump's case in Georgia. The Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney, Fannie Willis, has been accused of appointing her lover as a special prosecutor in the case against Donald Trump. D.A. Fannie Willis is responsible for taking Trump's mugshot. Also allegedly financially benefited from hiring her lover, Nathan Wade, on that Trump case. This is according to a motion that was just filed by Wade, the co-defendant. Now, who is this romantic partner who Fannie Willis hired? He was just a private attorney who's never even tried a felony case. Even the Times says he has, quote, limited experience trying high profile cases. But get this. Fannie's alleged lover has been paid nearly a million dollars in legal fees already. Who authorized the payments? Oh, that would be Fannie. Where'd she get the money? Oh, that's your money. Came from the taxpayers. They've allegedly gone on luxury vacations to Napa Valley, even taking Caribbean cruises. And Fannie isn't even denying that she's hired a guy she's sleeping with to prosecute Trump. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, that's uh, that's America for you right there. Honestly, it might be a good thing just because this might lead the case to be get to get thrown out. Um, what are your thoughts on it, though? You can text the show and let us know at 573-319-1586. Luke Sacker is singing the song that I had in my head. It's a fanny affair. It's a fanny affair. What is, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, Alexandria occasional, occasional cortex talking about these days. What they're using and what they're doing is taking impeachment and taking all of the most serious procedures that we have as a country. And they're learning to use it for political. They're politically weaponizing it for an election purpose, for a political purpose. And in doing so, they are putting the people of this country, everyday Americans, absolutely at the bottom of the barrel and they're putting themselves first. Mm. It's a selfishness that that really endangers this country. It endangers our electoral process. It endangers our legal process. It's deeply cynical and it's done to reelect themselves and line their own pocket. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is accused Republicans of weaponizing impeachment for their own political gain saying it endangers our political processes. Remind me, how many times was Donald Trump impeached on bull... I'm going to hit the, the hit... Oh, bullshit <laughs> charges that were trumped up. What are your thoughts? Again, at 573-319-1586. Tech, uh, send them in. Tech Linux, first time joining us on the show today. What's up, Tech? Says she is the definition of selfishness. LOL. Yes, she absolutely is. Hotwater84 says, I can't stand listening, handle listening to this broad talk. That's true. I feel that way, but I do like to play those clips because we all get a good laugh out of it, don't we? Uh, again, you can text the show if you want to have your voice heard on the air today, not just in the Rumble chat, because I can't always monitor that. But you can text us in at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in this morning and says that Asa Hutchinson made the point during one of the debates that Trump can't win under current RNC rules. Well, they're changing that for sure. I'm reading this article uh, with the title, Trump targets Iowa win as Republican rules changes are tilting the race his way. Uh, Donald Trump's presidential campaign does anticipate winning the Iowa State caucuses, and advisors have suggested internally they would only be concerned about the former president being upstaged if another candidate were to poll within five or 10 points, but that's not happening. Um, Trump, of course, is looking to build that momentum that he's hoping to, once he clinches the Republican nomination, to then um, turn around and uh, just lock up all of the Republican support. What do you guys think? Once Donald Trump wins the Republican primary nomination, are you all in? Or uh, I know a lot of people vote third party who are fans of this show. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Would you vote for Donald Trump next year? I'd like to hear uh, what you're up to these days. Now, this is an interesting one in Nevada, for example, the chair of the Republican Party has enacted new rules that has been that have been seen as especially damaging to a DeSantis by, in fact, blocking super PACs that the Florida governor relies on from participating in the caucuses. So the rules uh, have been changed to disadvantage Trump's rivals in Nevada. So a lot of this is happening places in like in California, for example, they enacted a rule change to award delegates based on a statewide vote instead of congressional districts. So they did away with their state's longstanding system that was seen as more equitable to lesser candidates. So that means now Trump has a shot at claiming all of California's 169 delegates more than in any other state which makes it even more dramatically harder for Haley or DeSantis to make this a two-man race. It, it's not going to happen, people. It's time for us to accept reality. I think that the best case scenario here is that we good, get a, us a good vice presidential pick. And who do you think ought to be the vice presidential pick? I know who I don't want. I know I don't want Nikki Haley. 
I don't think many of you do either. Uh, Mel Mac looks like he's America Trump all the way. What's up, Mel Mac? Nice to see you again. P-E-L-A-U-S-A, uh, Pela USA, have no idea. Um, hope that's correct. Pela USA, uh, Kim McCurry, next year, it's already 2024 AP. Yes, thank you. Stupid, what are you, an idiot sandwich? I'm an idiot sandwich. Uh, sorry, thank you, Kim, for the correction. Uh, Pela says that the same people who run the Uniparty seem to be trying to get Nikki Haley nominated as, a, nominated as the GOP candidate. I find her beyond appalling. Yes, absolutely. Robbie Thurman says he'll vote for a pimple before he votes for a dem. Thank you, Robbie. We appreciate that. <laughs> Stephanie, my lovely wife in the chat, says I'm not sure what and who I'm voting for yet. Definitely not a Democrat. Uh, Urs Mommy says I'm voting for my dog. Muffinhead for president. LOL. Yes. <laughs> Corey and Callie's going to vote for Javier Malay. Um, Luke Sacker says, Sebaceous Cyst 2024. You guys. <laughs> Back me up. Over 511 people watching us live this morning. What's up, people? Thank you, Rumble. Appreciate you. Where would we be without Rumble.com? I know for many of you who are watching us today, you're like, hey, who's this AP for Liberty guy that I'm watching right now? What's he all about? Well, the Wake Up America show is a passion project of me and my wife, and not only do we have our own little talk show here that we do five days a week, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, but we also have our own coffee brand and our own merchandise shop. Aren't we cute? Help support small business and ideas that you care about and check out our patriotic merchandise shop at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Com. We've got all kinds of great patriotic merchandise, which you can check out over there on the screen right now. We've got a new Killdozer uh, hoodie on sale. We're having a sale right now. All of our warm winter merchandise, like our Afuera Javier Malay hoodies, our Killdozer hoodies, any of our warm winter um, uh, gear is now 15% off until tomorrow. So if you've been wanting to get like a cool Killdozer hoodie, or a Fuera hoodie, if you go search any of our hoodies, all of our hoodies are 15% off until tomorrow. So limited time only. If you want to get a 15% discount, you can get one today. But you got to use the code baby it's cold. All one word, baby it's cold. Uh, Stephanie, if you wouldn't mind dropping that in the chat. The AP for LibertyShop.com store is having a sale today until tomorrow. So the sale ends tomorrow, Wednesday at noon. 15% off all of our warm winter gear. We've also got like the little kids uh, Lego piece that says don't tread on me right on the Lego piece. Uh, the kids hoodie as well. All of our warm winter gear 15% off until tomorrow using the code baby it's cold. So check it out at AP the number four AP for Liberty shop.com get yourself a sweet uh, Javier Malay Afuera hoodie. You get to save 15% off on that. Okay, what what did we do before the internet? How did we get around? How did we find our way around? Do we have to go to gas stations to ask for directions? Well, apparently Generation Z is wondering, what did people do before the internet? Camelia Peterson will explain when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. I cannot stand how the news has been dogging Gen Z and calling them lazy for not wanting to work a nine to five for the rest of their lives. Let me put it in perspective for everybody who's a little confused here, okay? I work five days out of the week, 40 hours a week, okay? I do not make enough to live on my own. I would not make enough to pay rent, water, electric, and eat. 
all by myself. I would not be capable of doing that. 20 years ago, when you were getting started, you could live on your own. 20 years ago, when you first started, you were able to do everything that I am now struggling to do. Let me add another perspective here. You've been working for 20 years. You have 20 years of working experience behind your belt. You have 20 years of experience in a career that has allowed you to gain raises, to get more money, to profit you in an economy that you created. Never received a raise in my life, ever, I think. Maybe I just suck. Who knows? Good morning. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Ugh, Gen Z rants. <laughs> no fun. All right. How did we do things? How did we survive before we had the internet and we could create things like podcasts and online stores? I don't know. We worked at Walmart. That's what I did when I was 16 years old. I worked at Wally World, too. I think my next guest... Actually, maybe she did as well. I don't know. Maybe I maybe forget remembering, misremembering this. Joining us now live on the show, dressed like an angel, is the lovely <laughs> Camelia Peterson. How are you doing, CJ? Are you getting married today? I am not getting married. I am just in theme with the, the I'm in with the winter wonderland theme that apparently, you know, is across Missouri right now. <laughs> it's a marshmallow world in the winter. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't like people who actually know that song. Like, that's rare. <laughs> <laughs> Camelia, uh, for, before we get in, we start bitching about Generation Z like a couple of old fogies. Uh, can I bitch about all the people who are freaking out about less than an inch of snow on the ground every in the Midwest? Apparently people are shutting, <laughs> shutting down schools this morning. It's like 35 degrees outside. And it's like, I remember when I used to That's go to weird. school, you know, I used to walk uphill in the snow, like to school every day. And, you know, both ways. yeah, both ways. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, have we gone soft? What's going on with everybody freaking out about a little, a little snow? I don't know. Maybe they feel like they have to use up snow days since it has been sounding like we won't get very many because we won't get that much snow this year. But I don't know. Yeah, I was a little surprised, too, especially if, if it's as warm as it has been. It's not going to stick to the roads. You're fine. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right. It's been so, it's been such a warm winter winter. But here's the thing. Like people are like clearing out the shelves. Like, you know, it's winter in the Midwest when you go to the store and there's no more milk and there's no more bread. Right. <laughs> well, and like, what in the world? You know, we're in the Midwest. We're in Missouri. You people are supposed to be preppers. You should already have that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Urz Mommy, our new friend over in the chat, says people have gone soft, wimpy, and whiny. Thank you. Exactly. So here's the thing, though. You know, I was uh, watching the Snow Goose Lodge um, commercial earlier. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, I'd really love to be snowed in at Snow Goose Lodge right now. Me and a few of my closest friends. And like, that sounds fun right now. God, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Snow Goose Lodge, one of our sponsors here on the Wake Up America show. It's in Jamestown, Kansas. It's probably very beautiful out there today with the winter weather. But I, but I just remember being a kid. We would get feet of snow, right? And maybe school would get canceled. Like you'd get a snow day every once in a while. But it's like now they like if there's a threat that there might be a snow, you know, there might be snow the next day. They just go ahead and cancel school. And it's like, I don't know. People just seem a lot softer than they used to be. Anyways. Okay. Austin, here's the thing, though. You jokingly, sort of jokingly say about walking to school, whatever, uphill, blah, blah, blah. I actually did that uh, because where I grew up to get out of our property, there was a very large hill and a dirt road. And I remember as a kid, it's snowing enough that 
you couldn't just drive out. Like my dad had to get out and like, you know, shovel a track up that big old long hill. Or actually what we would do is what some of our neighbors do too, is you would park your car at the top of the hill and then you would walk from your house the the third, you know, half a mile up the hill to get to your car so that you could actually go somewhere because we did not close school for a little bit of sleep. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, my wife, Stephanie, she's from Michigan. So for her, it's like, this is nothing, you know, it's like, this is a temperate climate compared to what she's used to in Michigan. Right. But anyways, anyways, we digress. We digress. Uh, did you enjoy this topic that I sent to you yesterday of this story about uh, the pre-internet times and how young people are fascinated with it? Yes, and it's so true because one of the things they talk about in there is that even those of us who remember some of those things anymore are like, ah, do, do we remember that too? Because it seems like another lifetime. And, but it is true. You know, I think sometimes about how, how, what would I do if I had to go back to using a paper map? That would be terrible. I would die, right? <laughs> I would never go anywhere. <laughs> Did you ever do the map quest thing? Would you print out the maps? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think the last time I did that was in college. So I had to drive from uh, from Springfield, Missouri to New York City. And we had and we would print out the maps for both ways. And you would have to have somebody there who would be telling you which which ones to like when you had to do your switch. And if you did the wrong switch, you were lost for days. It was just it was over. You live there now. <laughs> I've become so dependent on, you know, whether it's Apple or Google Maps or whatever. I've become so dependent on that, that if it's like every once in a while, we'll stop working and I will just blow right on by my exit because I'm not paying attention enough because I'm so relying on that audible prompt to tell me where to turn. <laughs> That's bad. It's not, not a good thing. No, but no, no there's our, our friend, Leisha, uh, down at Leisha Wilder down in the boot heel says that she still, she still uses a MapQuest printout, man, what you, it, it must be 1999 still down in the boot heel. <laughs> What were you going to say, though? Things, well, no, I was just going to say is there are lots of things like that, you know, as far as, um, you know, pay phones, not having a cell phone so that people could check in on you. Uh, I remember when I got a, a bag phone, you know, my dad was so because that made my parents feel a lot better if I went somewhere and you didn't. You had to be conservative with the minutes you use. You only had so many. Um, yes. But on the up on the upside to that, like. The safety, you know, the safety factors as far as, you know, increased safety is so much better because, like, it's hard to imagine what you would do if you, like, couldn't track your kids. But that's a little bit helicopterish, right? Right. So that's something that I've actually worked on is not, you know, not obsessing on that, not worrying about that um, and, and letting that stuff go because life is life. It's going to happen. And even with cell phones, I'm not going to be there to stop it, you know, or to save them or anything else like that. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe if I, when I have a kid one day that I'll just get an Apple air tag and just put it in their diaper <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> that is not healthy. Don't do that. I, don't know. <laughs> Resist I, don't the know. I guess, I guess. Well, it's funny because, you know, Stephanie and I have been watching this show, The Crown, and it shows, you know, each generation of the British monarchy from the 1940s until today. And it's fascinating watching them evolve the technology. Uh, you know, recently we saw them getting out, the royal family got on the Internet for the first time. 
And I remember what it was like in being in high school. I had a, did you ever have a pager? Yes. <laughs> so, so I would go to the gas station and buy a phone card that I could, so then I could have, if somebody paged me, then I would go to find a pay phone so I could call my friend and find out what it is that they wanted to talk about, which is usually just go ahead and come over to my house. But for some reason, we felt it was just cooler if you were to get a page and then call them and say, what's up? And that was that was cool. That was how we communicated back then. And then text messages really revolutionized everything as well when we could right. actually send SMS text to one another. And now that's like the preferred means of communication. But when I was a child and there's still like the little like like it looks like it's almost like kind of burned into the wall in the in the kitchen at the family farm. We had a rotary dial telephone that was spark activated. So so it was like it would create a spark every time oh, wow. you would dial the phone, right? So you'd put your finger in and go and it would rotary dial each mm -hmm. one. And we and because we had two phone lines, we had the personal and the business line, we had two phones because you had to have two phones for the for the different lines. Yes. And you'd have to answer one or the other. It'd be the business line or something or something like that. But apparently Generation Z is going back to old television shows like Seinfeld right. and things like that. I mean, there were times back in the day when we did get get lost and getting lost was kind of part of the fun of growing up, wasn't it? Sure. And I had friends, even when I was growing up, I had friends who still um, were on, uh, they had party lines. And yes. I, that, that was so bizarre to me. Like that's a, that's a whole other culture in and of itself. You know, the stories that come out and I imagine somebody be able to pick up the phone and listen to your conversation. There's nothing you can do about it. That is truly, uh, you have to learn to live with and cooperate with your neighbors in a situation like that. You've always got the, the neighborhood gossip, you know, who's, who's listening in on people's conversations, but it is, I, you know, <clears throat> The other thing too about the the before times is how did we know the best restaurants to choose? Because what do we always yes. do when we go to choose where to eat now? We're looking up the reviews to see, you know, what are people saying about it? We look at the menu ahead of time to see if there's just something we like on it. Like you couldn't do that back then. You either had to, we were, we were more, um, we took more risks back then, right? Yes, we did. But also, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about our listeners, but I grew up in a very small town. So now Raymore, Peculiar, the area where I grew up, Raypeck, it's it's huge now. There's Panda Express and there's China Garden right. and and there's and there's a, a, a Whataburger and Smashburger and there's dozens of restaurants and all these things. We didn't have those choices. When I was right. a kid, there was 58 Highway, there was Burger King, Taco Bell, McDonald's. And the Walmart was in like a shed. It was so small. And and, and that was yeah. it. So it was like, oh, and what we thought we were big stuff in, in Raymore when we were in high school and we had like a Chinese buffet came to town and we could go eat Chinese buffet and crab rangoons and stuff like that. But like for the most part, like our towns, not only has the technology landscape changed, but just the landscapes of our towns have changed too. I mean, you Absolutely. have all you have almost all the amenities of a big city in these small towns now. They don't they don't appreciate it, Camilla. <laughs> and I did do my time at Walmart, by the way, uh, oh, you for did? several years. Yes, I did. Uh, oh, I, I thought doesn't doesn't everybody do that? I thought everybody did that. <laughs> right, the summer everybody does their summer at Walmart. 
Yes. And you know what, though? Each generation kind of pushes back against whatever the current trend is. And I think that's what's so interesting right now is you've seen a lot of this return to tradition. And I'm kind of like, you know, yes, return to tradition in some ways, but not in everything, please. And thank you. Um, but one of the things when I was thinking through um, what this article is talking about and where we are right now, that was just is fascinating to me is that with the advent of mass media and television and now the digital age and the Internet, um, kids today are much more aware of, of fashion and societal trends from, you know, decades and decades ago. And so we see, I think it's that it's wonderful. We see a, a real mishmash and mix of trends that come back, whether it's from the 70s or 80s or 90s. And so that makes me kind of, you know, when you were thinking forward about what, what happens as far as what's trendy, makes it a lot more interesting. And there is that appeal where, you know, kids want to go back and, you know, do the old vintage things, like you mentioned, the TV shows. And also one of the big things right now, too, has been that you can get keyboards for your computer that are like old typewriters and they're like the clacky <laughs> clack, keys. Clack, clack. Not, not going to lie, I've been tempted to buy one of those. But, you know. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, if, you're just, if you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm Austin Peterson, your host. We're glad to have you here. I'm speaking to Camelia Peterson. She's our regular guest every Tuesday and Thursday here on the Wake Up America show. We're glad and thankful to have her here. She's dressed up like a snowflake, but she is no snowflake, I assure you. If you're enjoying the content that you're watching this morning, click like and subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central on the Wake Up America show. What are we talking about? We're talking about how youngins are looking back to the past and exploring the pre-internet days. Uh, we're going to be looking uh, for this for a few more minutes of about how pre-internet times are starting to return. Everybody likes vintage. So I may have told you this story the other day, Camelia, but I'll tell it again just for the for the audience's sake. So we have this little boy in my karate class on Wednesdays who he's just loves karate and he's a good kid and he's really into it. And he's been using martial arts to kind of get through some hard times in his life. So I've been kind of inspired by that because martial arts has really inspired me. And so I bought him a copy of that book that I got for you, the the 20... The 20 rules of, of karate, or like the, the 20 different, um, you know, rules and, and requirements of karate by Gichin Funakoshi. And I bought him the book and, and signed it uh, and, you know, wrote in it a little message for him to give it to him as a Christmas gift. So the other day I go and I present it to him in class and he opens up the gift and he looks at the writing and he goes, I can't read cursive. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is, it, it, it is even though we can still talk and text and do all these things, there is sort of a broken line of communication between us and our and our ancestors with the loss of handwriting and the loss of communication in that way. That is true. Uh, I th I don't think it's already passed, but um, I can be wrong. Can't remember now. But there was le there was legislation, or there is legislation in Missouri to require that in uh, public schools and. I think that's actually a good thing. So there've been a lot of studies done about the effect of um, on your brain of information whenever you write in cursive and there is something different. I think this is one of the things too, as we get more into the digital age, 
that is increasingly important and maybe we adapt to it. Maybe we find out different, you know, we do more studies and find, you know, different conclusions, but there is something about writing things down, whether it's cursive or printing that helps us retain that information. Even if we never look at it again, I was talking with a legislator the other day and, you know, he that's, and that's one of the things that he was talking about too, is like, I didn't know this, by the way, kind of a, a weird side note. Apparently, in our legislature uh, on the House floor, they don't allow visual aids. And so I need to check into this and confirm it because that is bizarre because, you know, his point was that, you know, a lot of people are visual learners. And so you to just hear something versus seeing it. Um, you're going to retain it a lot better if you can see it. And then also, you know, another layer on that is is writing. But you're absolutely right about the handwriting. I mean, Constitution, man. Yeah, you can't read the freaking Constitution of the United States or the Declaration of Independence. That's just, I think that's a no-no. Um, Camelia, another thing that people are looking at in the pre-internet age, how did we date? How did we <sighs> hook, How did we marry? How did we hook up? Yeah, how'd you meet uh, people? <laughs> how did you How did you meet people? How did you find something that you like? Well, uh, speaking as someone who, before the you know the internet became ubiquitous, uh, I used to meet girls in school, and I would ask them if they wanted to go on a date, and then I would either go and pick them up in my car, or right. we would meet somewhere. And here's the thing: the other person would actually show up to the date. If you if you set a date, they would actually go. There was no ghosting. People didn't do that, right? Like it, like right. nine times out of ten, or ninety nine times out of a hundred, the person that you set up on a date would actually show up. Things were very different when it came to courtship, wasn't it? I think it is. I think there is le there was less ghosting because you met those people in places that you would see them again, you know, on a very regular basis. Mm -hmm. So you're not meeting someone online. And then if you don't show up, why it's not that big a deal. It's not like you're going to see them at school the next day or at work or, you know, church or whatever. So uh, that makes sense to me. But it's it is right. I mean, most people, I think, in the before times, uh, before times, yes. <laughs> I think they met they met people, you know, at work or um, at church or at school. Um, sometimes also, you know, in other social settings as far as bars or whatever, but I would say the, the, the other three are probably the most common. For sure. For sure. Uh, we've got a few more minutes left on this segment and there's a lot of pre-internet stuff to, to look at, look in at here before we get Tony Lavasco on the show, um, vintage TV shows, personal essays. Oh, you know what they call us? So social scientists are calling us digital immigrants or, <laughs> uh, cheekily the last of the innocents. To describe, to describe people who came in the of age in the era of phone books, VCRs, answering machines, and paper AAA maps, the last of the innocents. I sort of feel that way as well, because I remember being in college and seeing things like meatspin.com, and um, you don't know what that is? No. It, don't look it up. Um, and, and for people who know, know. Meatspin.com, and um, I used to, I remember seeing a snuff film in college for the first time and and being like what in the hell is this yeah go ahead tony come on in um uh he's here uh, i don't have somebody to help people get on my guests on my show so i gotta do that but uh um the loss of innocence i could feel it like i could feel the innocence leaving my body when you could just casually turn on a video and watch chechens being beheaded by russians right. and all these videos like were kind of like you couldn't see things like that before the age of the internet. 
Right. Yes. And, you know, while the rest, I'm even more behind probably than, than a lot of people, even my age, because all the rest of you are, are watching, I don't know, whatever was on TV at the time. We didn't have a TV and I was climbing trees. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can have a seat right there, Tony. Don't worry. We'll get you, we'll get you squashed in. So I got to say, yeah, Tony's here. We got Tony Lavasco in the house. I got to go to a very brief little break. And then we'll get him on the set. Camelia, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we let you go? Well, just real quickly, shifting gears, because I know you guys are going to talk about this. I would like to make this my plea for all of my friends who are running for office and people who are our candidates in Missouri right now. Can we please get off of the take Joe Biden off the ballot thing? Because it's making us no. look absolutely ridiculous. No. We no. look ridiculous. It is so like we are the no. laughing stock of the country right now. No, no, I'm on the take Joe Biden off the ballot train. Boo, oh, this woman. So boo, her. boo, boo, <laughs> Camilla. Hey, thanks so much, Camilla. We'll see you next Thursday here on the show. We appreciate you very much. You look lovely today. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you very much. All right. We got to give her a nice cleansing applause. All right. Coming up next, Tony Lavasco to talk about whether or not we should throw Joe Biden off the ballot. Can we throw Joe Biden off the ballot? All that and more when we get back on the Wake Up America show. Don't go on wakeupamericashow.com. In other words, you think that when the Supreme Court takes this up, they are going to side with President Trump. Is that correct? Uh, They are going to side against people being thrown off the ballot in this sort of manner. Um, The brief that I will be filing with the United United States Supreme Court is not going to say that President Trump is a bad person. It's not going to say that he's a good person. What it's going to say is that this extrajudicial means of removing people from the ballot is catastrophic to our country if it's allowed to continue. Because if Democrats can do it, you know that Republicans will do it. And if Republicans will do it, then Democrats will do it more. To to that point, Secretary, in order to remove President Biden from the ballot, according to your state constitution, you would need to go to court. What do you think would be your strongest argument? No, not at all. Your state constitution actually states that the Secretary of State lacks authority to assess qualifications of a candidate to determine whether to place a candidate's name on a primary ballot. That's according to section sir, sir, 115.387 of your state constitution. Mm, okay, good morning. Rise in freedom, I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. How's everybody feeling today? Thank you to rebel.com for featuring us on the front page today. It's nice to see so many new names and faces, hundreds and hundreds of new people joining us here live on the show. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Can you do me a favor? Smash that like button and subscribe to the channel. I know a lot of you are busy working parents and you've got a lot going on right now and it's hard for you to maybe get back over to the computer or grab the remote control and hit that like and subscribe, but you guys don't wanna lose out on all the great content that we push out every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So click that subscribe button before you go today so you can find us again tomorrow. We'd love to make your acquaintance and join us five days a week because we've got the best content, the best host, and of course, the best guests joining us live in studio for the legislative session. He's in town, he's in person, the number one liberty fighter in the whole state of Missouri, the great state of Mo, Tony Lavasco. Give him a round of applause. Hey, Tony. Good morning, Austin. Nice to see you, brother. Likewise. Got a lot to talk about today. No man's life, liberty, or property, safe by the legislature in session. Still holds true? Unfortunately, yes. 
<laughs> Tell me the legislative session's already kicked off with a little bit of rancor and a whole lot of weirdness. Um, well, let's start with the national news here first. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft goes on CNN uh, talking about throwing Joe Biden off of the ballot here in the state of Missouri. Camelia was just on. She says, don't do it. Makes us look stupid. What's your take? I tend to agree. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I understand the sentiment. And certainly when the left is using these ridiculous tactics to try to strong arm their way to a victory, uh, it's tempting to do the same thing. But it quite frankly, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, we lose not only all moral high ground with the electorate when we pull tricks like that. But I, I mean, the reality is I don't think we have a leg to stand on any more than the Democrats would. Uh, you know, the states don't administer the federal elections. If there was going to be an adjudication that anybody uh, committed insurrection, it would need to happen at the federal level. Uh, the same reason that that Maine uh, was off the off the rails by doing this would be the same thing that we'd be walking down. It doesn't make sense. It sounds as if Jay Ashcroft disagrees. It sounds as if he thinks he has the authority as Secretary of State to remove Biden from the ballot. I mean, at least underneath the current terms that the Democrats are trying to remove Donald Trump under. Well, and I think that's just it. And I think that's ultimately my problem here is that when you're redefining words to mean whatever you want, uh, not only is that dangerous territory for expanding uh, power of government in the court system, but it's just lunacy. Uh, you know, it, whether or not you agree with uh, how Donald Trump acted on uh, January 6th or anything else that he did when he was in office, uh, you can't just claim that the word insurrection means whatever you want. I, and I, I don't like Joe Biden's border policy either. Uh, but the reality is that's not an insurrection. That's just a bad policy. Was January 6th an insurrection? I don't think so. No, Why I think not? it was a riot. You know, the, the reality is you have to demonstrate some kind of coordinated effort to overthrow the government and or at least replace the government. And while you might uh, be able to prove that those folks wanted that result, uh, I don't think there's any evidence that the folks on the ground were actually involved in any kind of conspiracy to make that happen. OK, but I think we should have stormed the Capitol back when they passed the new deal. But that's just me. I'd love to hear what our audience thinks. You can text the show at 573-319-1586. Again, the text lines are open anytime, night or day at 573-319-1586. So this CNN interview that Jay Ashcroft does doesn't seem to go well. He's getting the Missouri Constitution cited at him. Does the Missouri Constitution prevent the, the Secretary of State from accomplishing pulling someone off of the ballot in such a way. I think I think it's arguable on both sides. Uh, you know, I think Jay's point about uh, the secretary having control over the ballot itself is a, is a little murky. Uh, but I, I think it, that is currently the practice. Uh, the secretary of state has uh, disqualified people before for other reasons. Do I think this falls under a circumstance that uh, he would survive a court challenge if he were to do it? I, I think probably not. You, you remember James Traficant uh, back in the day? Uh, you know, he ran from for Congress in a federal prison cell after being convicted of bribery and racketeering, and they didn't throw him off the ballot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure anything that Biden has done, at least that we've proven, uh, hasn't led to that, uh, that, that standing. So I think the reality is we're going to be stuck with Trump. We'll be stuck with Biden one way or the other. Yeah. And uh, where do you think we end up with it's Trump versus Biden? You think uh, Trump can pull it off? He's leading in the polls in key battleground states. What do you think? I think absolutely. And I think it's very comical that as much as the left hates Donald Trump, they are playing directly into his hands with all of this nonsense. The more they go for his head, the more popular he's going to be. And uh, I guess keep doing it, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't think it's good for the country. It might be a good result uh, for us as a party uh, to get the presidency back, certainly. Uh, but I don't like to see this divisiveness being played out in the courts. Yeah, I saw RFK Jr., for example. We played a clip of him earlier where he was saying much the same thing, that he, if he wants to you know, run against Trump, he wants to do so on even grounds. He thinks that they're making a martyr 
out of Donald Trump with this. I I tend to agree. Appears you do as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if you're enjoying the show this morning, make sure you click like and subscribe to the channel. I'll make sure to check your texts that you're sending in at 573-319-1586. That handsome fellow who's sitting next to me to my left here on the show is Tony Lavasco, Missouri State Representative. He's from the St. Charles area, and he's coming here now to talk to us a little bit about what's happening, not just on the national level, but the state level as well. What are you guys taking up this year? What are the big issues that the Missouri Legislative Session will be considering? I think we're going to talk a lot about anger and resentment and who's a true Republican and who's not, and a bunch of other things that have nothing to do with legislation. No, I, I think we are going to get to some some solid topics, and hopefully we're, we're going to you know, beat that uh, inevitable uh, destruction to the punch by doing a few things before everything falls apart. Uh, but I think everyone's got pretty low expectations. Uh, almost everyone in both chambers is apparently running for something, so that's going to throw a whole wrench into things. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a, so my congressman, Blaine Lukemeyer, is he your congressman as well? He is indeed. Yeah, so he's in your district as well. So everybody under the sun looks like they're going to get into this primary here. Blaine Lukemeyer is stepping down. He's the chair of the very powerful Senate uh, uh, House Banking Committee. So uh, so that's a, those are big shoes to fill. Uh, obviously, when you get into Congress, you got to work your way up to those kind of uh, roles and committees. But we've already seen Mary Elizabeth Coleman, who's getting into the race. Um, I've heard rumors uh, like Nick Schroer, for example, might get into this primary as well. Um, what about now? Here's the thing. The one name that stands out above all others that I've heard rumored, but he's already running for lieutenant governor and I already endorsed him for this is maybe former Senator Bob Onder. Have you heard this as well? You know, I've heard a lot of rumors and uh, his name comes up frequently. Yes. Yeah. You know, honestly, if Bob Onder becomes the next congressman from mid-Missouri, I ain't going to hate it because he was the best when it came to fighting against COVID tyranny here in the state of Missouri. And uh, he certainly would be a good one. The thing about like the Mary Elizabeth Coleman uh, entrance in the race is that she's really that rabid social conservative that is often at odds with the more liberty Republicans like ourselves. So that would not be super exciting to me. I wouldn't hate it. But, it, you know, when you've got her, you've got Nick Schroer. He's a little bit more kind of that along those same lines, a little bit more of that, maybe more of a MAGA Republican, if you will. Well, I don't want to destroy either of their careers by speaking positively of them. However, uh that uh, I think you'd be surprised uh, on both of those counts. Uh, both of those folks have had some really great moments fighting for liberty. So uh, I'm a fan of both. That's good. Where Camellia says Tony Lukemeyer will get in as well, possibly. I've heard that as well. And obviously he starts off with a little bit of a, a leg up with his last name. Little I think name there's some, some name recognition. There, yes. Yeah. And then there's also possibly Travis Fitzwater might get into the race as well. And he does. A, he's a senator there from... Uh, uh, Callaway does a great job. You know, his Senate district is a sizable portion of CD3, so he's going to have a lot of name recognition out of the gate as well. You know, it's funny. It's It might be the first time that I've looked at uh, a race in federal Congress and been like, I don't hate all of these people. Right, right. No, I, I think most of the rumored folks uh, that have, you know, either are considering it or people are trying to push them into running uh, would be pretty decent. So uh, I think we're going to be in good shape here. It's in the rare. Yeah. <laughs> That's so rare. You never see things like that. Well, anyways, back to the Missouri legislative session. What are you going to be trying to get across the finish line? We're going to get brass knuckles legalized this year, Tony. Is well, this the we'll, year? Say, we'll say <laughs> uh, I'm certainly going to keep pushing on that. Uh, you know, I've got my building permit reform uh, that uh, we talked about in the past. Uh, makes it easier for folks to do work on their own house without government telling them no. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, simple stuff like that. I, I kind of work in the margins on some stuff that uh, other folks aren't that interested in, quite frankly. Uh, and then one of my, my new things for this year is uh, I think we ought to make library boards elected. I think that's something we hear about constantly. Library boards. Yes, people are so upset about the libraries and, you know, what books the kids are reading and all that. And you know what? Rather than lining up for a three-hour 
uh, you know, complaint fest at the meeting. Well, maybe you should run and just do it yourself. I think that's the, that's the best solution. Here. Okay, so you got to run for a library board. And you know what? That doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. What do you guys think? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Let us know what you think at 573-319-1586. I saw, though, on the Missouri Legislative Session that they were already at each other's throats and they're, they've, they've already been screaming at each other on the Senate floor, at least. Regular business was, like, put, a, put on the hold. Are you guys going to be able to accomplish anything without ripping each other's throats out this year, or is fear and loathing in Jefferson City per use? Yeah, I think the question is not going to be, uh, can we accomplish something without ripping each other's throats out? It's, can we do both at the same time? Because I think I think the reality is you we've got, I think, six people running statewide. We've got two or three people running against each other for, for Senate seats. We've got people being primaried uh, by people in the same chamber. I, there, there's all kinds of things going on that is going to heighten emotions. And that on top of the fact that we've got a federal election cycle at the same time where all the constituents are up in arms about all kinds of different things. You're going to see a lot of posturing. You're going to see a lot of speeches. Uh, whether we can slip some good stuff through uh, in part of that like, remains to be seen, but we're certainly going to try. Did you see my interview with uh, gubernatorial candidate Bill Igel the other day? I did. What did you think? I think uh, Bill's idea of foreign ownership of land is perhaps a little bit more expansive than might work in practice. But I think he's got some strong feelings. He doesn't even want British people to be able to buy land here in the state of Missouri. I think that's a little... I can understand if you don't want chi the Chinese government corporations to buy land here in Missouri. Maybe there's an argument for that. Governor um, Parson, he, I, what was it, an executive order that he pushed to prevent China from being able to buy land within 10 miles of military bases? Right. That's good because, you know, that's, they've, they've got a limit of as to how far Chinese people can drive physically. They're incapable of going 11 miles. So if you keep the Chinese 10 miles away, they won't be able to infiltrate the military base. But if they can buy land 11 miles away, it's all good. Well, and I think, you know, really, we need to get working on putting up that uh, no espionage zone signs around yes. the, the military bases. I oh, mean, yeah. that's all it would take is to put up some signage and people would just stop and they'd be like, well, I can't spy here. Exactly. It's like gun free zones, right. right? We just put up the sign. No Chinese spies allowed. Ching chong, ping pong. And everything will be OK. Snow? OK. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't make sense. It's 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 this is kind of like the consequence of populism to an extent is that we have in in order to fight the cultural battle, which I think we should fight in the culture wars here in the United States. We've eschewed economics such to the point I saw Gavin McInnes yesterday was getting criticized by most of like groupers and like fans of his and things like that who were like just kind of like consuming him alive over like his work advice magazine and calling him a rich guy. And like, there seems to be like this hatred of rich and like business owners and of economics in general, that's coming from out of right wing circles. And that seems to be where this whole British people can't buy a, a factory here in Missouri attitude is coming from it's ignorance. Well, I think more than that, I think it's fear. Um, you know, yes. I, I think there's a, a somewhat valid concern that people that are perhaps more successful or better at things will come and displace folks here that maybe aren't quite as adept. And I, I think, you know, I don't think that's an immigration thing specifically. I mean, you're, you're just as likely to have your job replaced by, you know, some guy down the street than you are from someone from another country. But anybody who is facing a situation where, you know, they might be unemployed, where their entire profession might be replaced with a robot or with artificial intelligence or who knows what, 
Uh, that's scary. And I get that. And when people are scared, they reach out to politicians and they say, please help us, help Save us. Save us. And then they get hit on the head with some government. And, you know, I think that's that's the problem. Is that people are going to get exactly what they asked for. And, right. And it never it's always supposed to be aimed at the elites, but it never does anything. It never stops them from do, accomplishing what they want to accomplish because they'll always be able to buy the laws that they want to have written anyway. And it always just turns around and screws harder the people who are like, please save us from the, you know, pass the law to save us. The, the more I hear people complain about uh, whether it be conspiracies or big, powerful corporations or or the elite or the rich or any of any of those scary boogeymen, uh, the more I always remember that if they really believe that these folks are, you know, responsible for all of their concerns, all their problems, maybe they should tread lightly. If folks are really that in control of your life, and they are, maybe you are should just, be scared. Of right. Them. Exactly. If they are actually destroying your life, then maybe, you know, running at them with a little pitchfork when you have absolutely no manpower or, or uh, force behind you yeah. is maybe not the best idea. We need to be on their side because when the reptilians take over, hopefully they'll make us like a concubine at least. They'll, they'll let us live. Uh, Tony, uh, if you're just tuning in the Wake Up America show, good morning. We're joking. Just lighten up. Click the like button and subscribe to the channel if you're enjoying the content this morning. We always bring you the best in news, content, and guests, and we bring it with a little bit of lighthearted flair on the Wake Up America show. So about that interview that I did with uh, Senator Bill Igel, um, another question that seemed to um, get under his skin just at least a little bit was the question of gay couples being allowed to adopt children here in the state of Missouri. I didn't think that that would really be all that controversial, but apparently it is for some. You, you know, it is very controversial, actually, and, and I agree with you. I, I think it's a, a very pro-life position to suggest that if fit parents want to adopt, we should let them adopt it, that there are so many children that need homes. Or before you go Why off, on earth are we going to d deny them families uh, just based on our, our preferences of how people live? And I, and I want you to, to, to monologue on this for a moment before I do, but it's like people don't think two steps ahead on things like that. What if parents are killed in a car accident and an aunt, a lesbian aunt, you know, wants to adopt like the children of her sister or something like that? Like you're essentially making something like that illegal, like families would not be able to adopt. For sure, you could have situations in which the state is determining that a stranger is going to be more fit to take care of a child than their actual family. Uh, that's insane. Uh, anytime that conservatism champions more government in an attempt to uh, change the social pattern in a way that, you know, is to their liking, I think it is naive and I think it's a mistake. You know, whether or not you personally approve of anybody's lifestyle do not use the the sphere of government to attempt to engender a particular outcome. And that's what we're seeing here. Should we legalize the purchase of children? Like the slave trade? No. Probably not. No. no. Stop, Tony, <laughs> I'm talking about surrogate parenting. Yeah, I just want to I want to rent a womb. Well, I think I would say that's illegal or legal in most places now, is my understanding. Uh, you know, obviously, the the adjudication of those contracts gets a little bit uh, sticky. And I think that's a you know, much more difficult thing to, to figure out on the fly. Um, I would say, generally speaking, that's something that we probably uh, you know, should have some kind of framework to regulate in the, in the sense of uh, making sure that you don't have multiple people fighting over a child after they're born, because that's right. not good for the kid either. Well, people but, like Mary Elizabeth Coleman would say that the child deserves to be with their biological mother. I mean, there's an argument there. Sure. I, I think the, the issue, though, is if you create a situation in which you've got multiple people that have uh, pretty compelling arguments uh, for custody, uh, you have to have some kind of mechanism to adjudicate that. And I think unless we have a good, strong place to do that, and I don't know that our court is currently all that great at adjudicating family ma ma matters uh, as evidenced by, uh, well, family court system in general, 
Um, so I'd be a little hesitant to expand that, uh, you know, without a good plan, but I'd certainly be able to that conversation. Tony, you're so good at um, you're so good at answering these difficult questions. We just got a super chat adherent of Lady Columbia over there. Thank you very much for the tip and donation. Yeah, we do still have people who watch us on YouTube, if you could believe it or not. Uh, although most of the fun people are over on Rumble. So, Lady, I'd love it if you join us over there at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty. And thank you for that super chat. Uh, Tony, you answer these great questions with aplomb. Other people stumble, stutter, and get worried about what this might mean for their future political career. I'm glad that you don't do things like that so we can have real conversations here. I'm talking to a politician who is actually open and honest about his feelings about things. So here's one of the harder questions that there is. You ready? All right. are, you, are you afraid, Tony? Are you no, scared? Okay, in vitro fertilization. Mm -hmm. A lot of social conservatives think that that should be banned because it's abortion. It is often abortion. Well, it doesn't have to be. It, 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 it doesn't right? have to be, but in the way that it is conducted to a large extent, you create all of these viable embryos, and then you choose the most viable of them, and then you discard those that you're not going to use. Is that not an abortion? Well, sure. But the easy solution is just not to do that last part, right? I, I don't understand the issue with the in vitro process in and of itself. As long as you're not discarding viable embryos or destroying them, there, there's no abortion. At that point, it's just an artificial insemination. That, there's nothing inherently wrong with that in mind. Now, I know that some folks are very much against that sort of thing, you know, on the moral grounds, and that's their right. But you know, certainly from a legal standpoint, I don't think the state has any right to intervene there. Uh, when you're talking about destroying embryos, I think that's a different discussion. What do you think should be done? Because, I mean, the, it, that process does exist in order for parents, and some parents do it in order to create designer babies. They want to get a child that has the best chance of survival, has, doesn't, and we're, we're getting into territory now, especially with, with uh, technology, the CRISPR technology, where you can make designer babies that don't have, you know, for example, uh, a thyroid problem or, uh, you know, won't, won't suffer from rheumatoid arthritis one day or things like that. These are real serious ethical concerns for people like us. Oh, sure. And I think the, the issue, especially when you start dancing on the, the line of eugenics and other conversations that have obviously gone horribly in the past, you have to really start looking at not only the motivations of the people involved, but where those lines really need to be. And, you know, I don't have a firm answer to, to that at this point. I think there's there's so much that we don't know about technology that will change dramatically in the next 10 to 20 years that, you know, I think this conversation will be obsolete before we finish having it. Uh, but I think that the idea that we should completely shut ourselves off to any changes in you know, how any of this works, how how babies are born, uh, I think is short sighted. I think, you know, I said before that the, the holy grail, of the pro-life movement ought to be an artificial womb. You know, the idea that we could take a, a, an embryo that a mother decides, you know, I would like to have an abortion and say, well, what if instead we just put it over here and then we, we, we have the, the child develop and then they're put up for adoption. And, you know, you can be relieved of that supposed burden, uh, but we can save the child. I think that is the perfect way to, to make sure that a lot of babies are, are not uh, killed. But for some reason, we're not talking about that because it sounds scary. It sounds like something that could be from a dystopian sci-fi novel. And, you know, the reality is that is where science is headed. We're going to have to deal with those kinds of questions. And I would like the pro-life movement to be on the right side of those questions. Tony, if the Satanists want to put a statue up here in the Missouri Capitol during the holiday season next to the Christian and Islamic or Jewish um, statues or icons or whatever, um, what should be done with the Satanic statue? Well, I would say that the First Amendment very clearly says that if you're going to allow uh, one type of expression on public grounds, you cannot uh, discriminate against viewpoints of others. 
Uh, the Satan, I certainly, Tony, it's the I, Lord yeah, of I all that. evil. <laughs> I rebuke thee. Well, I'm a god warrior. Per, perhaps not having statues in general on public property. I, I don't understand, understand how this is, is really a debate, quite frankly. Okay, uh, so wait a minute, wait a minute. So <laughs> I, the reason we're talking about this is because in the Iowa Capitol, no, they had the satanic statue and they knocked it down and they said that they you can't have a statue to evil. Bill Igel last week on this show here, sitting right where you're sitting, said that he would fire any person who allowed something like that to happen. So uh, you think it's free speech, which means anybody, any by hook or by crook, anybody with some some hokey old religion, Star Wars is their religion. We can put a statue of Obi-Wan Kenobi up in the Capitol. If you allow one group to make a, a statement uh, on a certain matter, then you have to allow opposition to do so as well. Now, the solution is perhaps you don't just let random people put up statues. I, I think that would be a simpler solution uh, that would keep everybody happy. Uh, but no, you can't just destroy private property because you don't like it. I, I think that everyone cheering that that scenario is, again, short-sighted. It, it goes right back to the throw Biden off the ballot conversation from earlier. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. State Representative Tony, uh, Tony Lavasco, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we go? Well, you know, as always, I've got an election coming up because we got an election coming up constantly in the House of Representatives. Uh, I'll have a primary in August. I appreciate everyone's support. Tony, where can I donate to your campaign? Because I will be donating. Simple. Go to HelpTony.com. HelpTony.com. Give it up to Tony. Visit HelpTony.com. I'm going to go to a very brief little standby screen so I can give Tony a little gift that I got for him for Christmas. We'll be right back on the Wake Up America show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. All right. Well, you know, we rock and roll here on the Wake Up America show. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's been an awesome show, I would say. Wouldn't you agree? We had Camelia Peterson on the show. She looked lovely like a little snowflake in the marshmallow world. We had... Maxim Lot from election betting ads, Oz.com. And we had state representative Tony Lavasco. I'm feeling good about the Wake Up America show. How about you? It's been a great show. Before we go, I want to talk to you about one thing. I've got something to sell you. I <laughs> know. Don't be booing me. I've got a great product. The thing about the AP for Liberty shop is that we have got products that I know you actually want, right? Not only do we have delicious coffees, not only do we have awesome shirts. By the way, all of our warm winter gear is 15% off today using code baby it's cold. But I want to highlight our custom metal signs. Visit apforlibertyshop.com. Look at this. Five-star reviews. These are independent third-party verified reviews. You can make your own custom metal sign, hang them indoor or outdoor. Old school 76 monogram custom steel sign. You can get them in copper, gold, silver, or white. Customize it to say whatever you like. Click personalize. Choose the color that you want. Choose the size that you want. If you want a, like a big outdoor sign to hang on your barn, right? You can have the top text say, Austin Peterson is my homeboy. There you go. And that will be delivered right to your door. They are on sale right now as well. So get one today, add it to your cart, and get it shipped to your front door at, from ap4libertyshop.com. Of course, we got all kinds of great items, Javier Malay items, Killdozer items, Liberty Retro Electric, Smokin' George Washington coins. Take a few minutes and scroll through the apforlibertyshop.com store and add some of our delicious coffee or our custom metal signs to your household today. Thanks so much for everybody for watching. We appreciate you very much. I hope I get to see you guys back again here tomorrow at the same time same channel rumble.com slash ap for liberty let's give it up to rumble one more time thank you for featuring us on the front page we appreciate you all very much if you haven't subscribed already make sure you do that if you haven't liked the show already make sure you do that and we'll see
guys tomorrow on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.